I hope you agree uh, with that today, that there is no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. Uh, I want to just also say that uh, for you, I hope uh, that you are agreeing with the song that said um, that Christ alone must be our cornerstone. I hope that is the prayer of your heart today to make Jesus Christ the cornerstone of your life. And my prayer is today that somebody would say, what must I do to be saved? Uh, I want to go right now into our scripture, and then we're going to get right into the word. We're in Hosea chapter 2 today. Uh, We're in part 3 of our series, and we're in Hosea, the second chapter And we're going to read verses, I believe, 14 uh, through um, verse 1, I believe, then verse 14 through 15. Uh, This is what the Word of God says to us. It's actually verse 2, Hosea chapter 2, verse 2. Here is what the Word of God says to us today. It says, but now bring charges against Israel. Bring charges against your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband. Then verses 14 through 16, it says, but then I will win her back once again. I would lead her into a desert land and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a valley or a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. I want to go back to the previous verse. Uh, In verse 15, it says, I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble, the valley of Achor, into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject, when God wanted a divorce. When God wanted a divorce. Let's go to God. Heavenly Father. Lord, we are coming to you today, and we are asking that you would speak to us right now. Lord, we need to hear a word from you. Uh, Lord, we know that there are people who are struggling, and we need to have encouragement and strength at this moment. And Father, I pray that you would take these frail, frail lips and allow them to declare your glory. And uplift your strength. Father, we pray today that your name would be glorified. And Father, as the name of Jesus Christ is glorified, my prayer right now is that all men and women, boys and girls, would be drawn closer to him. And Father, we pray today that uh, we would have a, a fresh spiritual experience with you, Father. Give us an experience that will revive us and refresh us for the journey that is ahead. I pray, Father, that you would b- breathe life 
into a marriage that is uh, feeling lifeless. And I pray, Father, that you would restore our marriages and ultimately restore our souls. We do pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Last week, we learned that marriage was God's big idea. Uh, As a matter of fact, we learned in Genesis chapter 2 that it was God who said, it is not good for man to be alone. Uh, In other words, it was not Adam's idea. We learned that Adam was alone, but Adam was not lonely. Adam had no concept of loneliness because he was caught up in serving God. And, and, and what we learned is that if we are considering being married, married, we must do the same. We must find ourselves in service to God because it is in service to God where we find contentment. There should be no ministry in church that is without people who are active in those ministries because we find our purpose We find our contentment, we find our hope when we give our lives in service to God. And then we found out that that, that, uh, God brought about the circumstances. He orchestrated the circumstances so that Adam would see that he needed somebody in his life. We found out that God made the animals out of the ground. This is different than when God spoke the animals into existence. This is a special creation that God did just for Adam. He brought the animals to Adam two by two. And when, God, when Adam started to notice that those animals came in pairs two by two, that is when the scriptures inform us that Adam recognized that he did not have a help meet. And Adam began to say, look, I want the thing that those animals had because, because God has a way of hooking it up. Adam began to realize that he wanted somebody in his life. But, but then we realized that, that, that uh, Adam took the next step with God. He rested in God. That means he trusted and believed that, that, that God would bring the right individual to him. And, and then we learned that God put Adam to sleep. He took a rib out of his side and he formed and he fashioned Eve into a woman. And, 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 and then we noticed that the first face that Eve saw was the face of God and the first person she talked to was God. So Eve was able to spend time with God to find out her purpose and to be able to establish who she was in God before she was ready to be brought to a man. And and then when she was brought to Adam, Adam saw the woman. And when Adam saw the woman, all he could say was, woman, (laughs) yes, Lord, this is now bone of my bone. And this is flesh of my flesh. She is woman because she was taken out of me. And that was the beautiful thing we saw about marriage last week. But today, what we want to talk about is what happens after marriage. You see, the, the, the reality is <clears throat> that most novels and most movies, 
They deal with the relationship up to the engagement. Or they will deal with the relationship up to the point where the parties say, I do. But, but the, the reality is, uh, those of us who are married knows that the real relationship does not happen when you say, I do. <laughs> the, the, the real relationship, the real marriage happens after you say, I do. Because it's after you say, I do, that it gets real. It's, it's after you say, I do, that, that, that disagreements happen. It's after you say, I do, that, that you begin to wonder what is going on. Why is there so much conflict? And, and why am I having so many problems? It's after you say, I do, that you may begin to wonder, who in the world did I get married to? You, 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 you may have some seasons where your spouse gets on your nerves, and you better believe for sure that there are some seasons where you get on your spouse's nerves. This is what happens after I do. Uh, after you say I do, uh, there will be some seasons when when, when, when the toilet uh, it, uh, a cover is left, the toilet seat is left up. I, I, I wish I had a church in here to testify that that is what happens after you say I do. After you say I do, that that is the time when crumbs will be left on the table and Dishes will be left in the sink and, and clothes won't be folded. And if they're folded, they won't be put away. This is what happens after you say I do. And, and the problems that you can experience, both emotionally and financially, uh, the, the, the issues that you can have can be so overwhelming that statistics show that 43% of marriages end in divorce. This is the reality of what happens after you say, I do. I want you to know that that it's not just human beings who contemplate actually getting divorced. I I, I want you to know today that, that God actually contemplated getting a divorce. Uh, um, th- there came a point when God said, enough is enough. That, that there came a point when, when God himself said that I am fed up, that, that God said I'm through with this relationship. You remember that, that, that God likens the relationship that he has with his people unto a marriage. He, he likens that the only way or the best way to describe God's relationship with his people is through the relationship of a husband and a wife. And so God uses this metaphor. And, and, and what we notice in, in, in our first sermon is that God likens himself to a husband and he likens himself uh, or his people unto a bride. And now it comes to a point where God is saying, I'm through with my people. I'm tired of them. Enough is enough. I want a divorce. I'm, out. I'm through with these folks. You don't believe me? We read it there in Hosea chapter 2, verse 2. And I actually like the way that the New King James Version says it. The New King James Version says it there in Hosea 2, verse 2. I'm going to read it to you when you're hearing because I read it from the New Living Translation earlier. But now I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. 
And this is what it says in the New King James Version in Hosea 2 verse 2. This is what it says. It says, bring charges against your mother. Bring charges because she is not my wife. And I am no longer her husband. And this is God speaking. And I want you to know something here. When it says bring charges, do you know what that means in the original language? In the original language, that's God saying, bring me the papers. I'm ready to sign them. He says, bring me the papers because I'm tired and and I'm ready to sign them. She is not my wife. My people are no longer with me. I'm, I'm forsaking them. I'm rejecting them. I'm tired of them. What is going on with God? Did not God make a covenant agreement to stay in an everlasting relationship with his people? Yes, he did. But the problem is that something went wrong. The problem is that that, 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 that God says that my people are seeking satisfaction in all of the wrong things. God charged his people with adultery. That means that they were finding satisfaction in the wrong things. Uh, his people were finding a, 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 a satisfaction in idolatry. They worshiped the idols of Baal and Asherah, and they, they, they went to Baal thinking that it was in Baal that they had their, their, their blessings. It was Baal that gave them their crops. It was Baal that gave them their rain. It was Baal that they celebrated. It was Baal that they worshiped. And, and God got so frustrated with this that God said, I'm through. God is like the, 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 the has the heart of a broken lover whose heart is broken because the one that he loves has turned his back on him. So God says enough is enough. The reality is, like that old saying says, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because the reality is today we find satisfaction in all the wrong places. We too have idols that we put in the place of God. Some of us put money in the place of God. We think that that, that resources and money can give us satisfaction. We, we think that if we get the next good, if we get the, the new shoes, if we get the new clothes, if we get the, 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 the new house or the new car, we think that that thing will give us satisfaction. We feel that we will get content if we get that new thing. But what we come to realize is that money is only a cheap thrill. It can never satisfy. There are some who who find satisfaction and prestige. We, we like the fact that we have a little something behind our name, a, a little degree that's behind our name. And we think that our education can get us uh, satisfaction. We think that if we are able to uh, get a, 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 a little bit higher on the ladder, if we're able to get that promotion, then we'll be able to be content. And we chase after that promotion. But when we get that new job, when we get that promotion, 
we come to discover that there is no satisfaction in it, we find out that it is just a cheap thrill. It can never satisfy. Uh, we, 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 we not only do that, but there are some who, who, who actually find their satisfaction in religion. Truth is that there are some who like to hear people when they pat them on the back for their nice prayers and, and pat them on the back for the comments that they gave in the Sabbath school class, we can find a cheap thrill in religion because we can look all religious and, and we can look all holy and we like it when people think that we're religious and think that we're all holy, but we know the corruption that's in our hearts and the truth of the matter is if we are trying to find a a, a fulfillment and contentment in our piousness and how holy we look and and how religious we are, the amount of spirit of prophecy we can quote or the amount of uh, song lyrics that we know, we will find ourselves empty because none of these things can satisfy. So today, just like they did during Hosea's time, There are those who find contentment in some of everything except God. God says, you know what? I'm through. I'm done with this. Now, here's the thing that I know about divorces. Uh, uh, If you've ever experienced a divorce or or, or if you have uh, uh, seen a divorce, there is something that you know about a divorce. A divorce can be nasty and a divorce can be ugly. And one of the reasons that a divorce is nasty and ugly. Why is a divorce nasty and ugly? Because because when there is a divorce, what ends up happening is that the two parties, uh, um, uh, they end up splitting the resources. And, And when it comes to splitting money, and when it comes to splitting resources, it can get ugly. And I want you to know this is the same thing that happens in Hosea chapter 2. Hosea begins to lay out what God says that he's going to take. Now, now I want you to think about this for a moment. When you are in a relationship with somebody and and you decide to split and go separate ways and you begin to divide resources, um, you know that it can get nasty, but but you know that there are some things that belong to you and and there are some things that belong to him. As a matter of fact, when when, when Jeff Bezos' wife, uh, when they split and they had a divorce, immediately Jeff Bezos' wife became the richest woman in the world overnight. She became, she had billions to her name. And and, and she had this because they split the resources. But I want to ask you this question. What happens when you separate from God? (laughs) What what can you actually take... (laughs) When you actually separate from God, what do you have left over when you separate from God? God says, look, I'm going to take it all. (laughs) I I, want to remind you that that, that God owns everything. I want to remind you that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I want to remind you that, that, that God said if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. If, if, if I was thirsty, I wouldn't tell you. Because all of the silver is mine. 
all of the gold is mine. And so now he's separating from his people and he says, I'm going to take it all. He says, you think that you have those nice olive crops, right? You've got those nice trees that you've got going. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to withhold the rain. And then the, the crops will dry up. There will be thorns and thistles everywhere. He said, what will your sheep eat? What will your cattle eat? You used to like to go to all of those events and parties that you used to go to. Yeah, you used to like to go to the club and do it nice. But what's going to happen when I take the car away and when I take the clothes away? What's going to happen when I take it all? I want you to know something today, my brothers and sisters. There are some times that we go through problems in life because God is saying, I'm going to take it back. There are some times that we go through struggles. There are some times that we go through difficulties because God has says, okay, if you want to be that way, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take back that car. I'm going to take back that house. I'm going to take back everything you give me. You think your health is? I'm going to take your health. I'm going to take it back because God is simply trying to help us to recognize where all of our blessings come from. We think we've done it all. We think that we're the reason that we have everything. We think it's our money management skills as to why we're paid. I want you to know today, if it was not for the goodness of God, where would you be? If it was God who didn't allow you to be in your right mind, where would you be? Let me tell you today that we need to give thanks to God for his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. Because where would we be if it were not for the goodness of God? You see, the truth is, some of us don't recognize what we have until it's gone. (laughs) Oh, I I wish I had a church in here today. The truth is, I'm going to say it one more time, some of us don't recognize what we have until it's gone. And so sometimes God has to take those things back until it's gone. And that's why there are some times in life where you just have to let the relationship be what it is. Sometimes you have to let the relationship go just like God did because the people did not recognize what they had until God said, you know what? I'm through. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. That's what God had to say. I had a friend one morning when I was in college, came over to my house at five o'clock in the morning, rang on the doorbell. I'm waking up. I don't know what's going on. I run to the doorbell, open the door, and there my friend is at the door, and, and, and he's just down, and, and I'm wondering what's going on, and, 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 and I bring him into the house, and we sit on the couch, and, and, and he could hardly say anything, and I'm like, man, what's going on? What's going on? And then he finally tells me, he says, man, two days ago, I just broke up with my girl, <laughs> And I just realized right now (laughs) what I'm missing. I want to let you know sometimes, sometimes you've got to lose it for you to understand what you really have. And this is what happened with God, with his people. But check this out. Look at God. Look at God. God takes away. I want you to read Hosea chapter 2 this afternoon. Check this out. God 
strips his people for everything, but he has a purpose. Check this out. When you read Hosea chapter 2, he says, I'm going to take away everything so that they will, because it is God's hope that they will see that things are actually better with me. Oh, glory be to God. God says, I'm going to strip everything away from my people so that they can see that it was not Baal who blessed them and it was not Asherah who blessed them. I'm going to take it all away because in my heart, I really still want a relationship with my people. Glory be to God today. I don't know if there are some people today who are just thankful that in spite of it all, although you've done wrong, although you've messed up, you've been scandalous, you've been dirty, you've done dirt, but in spite of it all, God still wants you back. Oh, glory be to God today that his mercy and his love endures forever. He still loves sinners. Glory be to God. Oh, I thank God today for his glory and for his mercy that he does not forsake sinners. He does not turn his back on us, but he loves us in spite of ourselves. He betroths himself to us, and even when we mess up, he still says, I want you. Glory be to God. And at the end of the story, when you read Hosea chapter 2, you'll notice that God actually renews a covenant relationship with his people. He says, I'm going to take you back like it was into the Garden of Eden. And he's saying, just how I was faithful to make a covenant with the Son. In other words, we, we don't even look at it this way. But God has made a covenant with the Son. That's what the Bible, the way the Bible describes it. What is God's covenant with the Son? God's covenant with the Son is a promise. Remember that a covenant is really a promise. And this is what God has done. God says that I'm going to cause the sun to come up in the day and the, the moon to come out at night. God's saying, just as I made a covenant with the sun, I'm going to renew a covenant with you. In other words, that what I'm going to do is I'm going to be as faithful to have the sun rise in the morning and be that faithful to have the sun come, the moon to come out at night. I'm going to be that faithful to you again. He says, I'm going to renew my love to you as it was in the Garden of Eden. That is what God's promise is to his people. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us all. But check this out. How in the world does God go from saying, I want a divorce and I'm through, to renewing a covenant relationship with his people? How in the world does that happen? How does God go to a place where the marriage is renewed? The marriage that was falling apart, how does it get life again? And, and, and I want you to notice what God does 
to renew his relationship with his people because I believe that there are some principles that God lays out. Remember, God is the ultimate lover. And I want you to notice the principles that God lays out to renew the relationship with his people because I believe that these are principles that you and I can use to renew our marriages, to that marriage that's on the edge. I want you to listen to the principles that God uses to restore and to renew the love in his marriage relationship with his people because these principles are principles that you and I can use in our marriage to restore our relationship. The first thing that we see is that God is brutally honest. You ever heard that old saying? That honesty is the best policy? I want you to know that God believes that. And God is brutally honest with his people. Check it out. You'll notice that in verse 3, God straight up says it. God says, you all are committing adultery on me. God's just flat out honest. He does not avoid the issue. He does not undercut the problem. He goes direct and he says what is bothering him. And I would like to submit to us today that this is a principle that you and I need to learn because when there is something that bothers us, We need to be honest about what bothers us. We need to say to our spouse, this is what is going on. You see, too often what you and I have done is what we do is we have instituted um, uh, relationship policies that are learned from the ostrich. You know what an ostrich does? An ostrich simply buries their head in the sand. They act like it's not going on. And too often, you and I act like the thing is not bothering us. We act like there's not really a problem. But when we avoid the issue, what ends up happening is that we end up sitting uh, on a ticking time bomb. Our marriage literally becomes a ticking time bomb. You all know that in the country of Lebanon, there was a huge explosion a few weeks ago, uh, an explosion that decimated the city. And, and, and here is the amazing thing about that explosion, that everybody knew there was a problem. Everybody knew that 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate being in the middle of the city was a bad idea. Everybody knew it, but nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody knew it, 
but no one wanted to do anything about it. Everybody knew it, but everybody kept their head in the sand. And what ended up happening is that there was a little fire that happened somewhere over here that had nothing to do with the ammonium nitrate. But what ended up happening is that little fire that was over here ended up touching the ammonium nitrate, the the thing that was swept under the rug. And then all of a sudden, there was a huge explosion that ended up decimating the entire city. Because this is what happens when we just sweep our issues under the rug. When we sweep our issues under the rug, the problem is still there. And then when there is another little problem that arises, what ends up happening is it can detonate the major problem that's been sitting there for some time. And what it can do is it can explode and blow up our marriage And so if we want our marriage to work, we must learn from God. We must be brutally honest with our spouses, with our spouse, (laughs) about what is bothering us. But then there's something else in verse 14 we see. In verse 14, God says, look, here's what I'm going to do. And I love the way the NIV says this. I'm going to speak tenderly to her. He says, I'm going to speak tenderly her to allure her, the King James Version says, and the NIV says. It says, I'm going to speak tenderly to her because I'm going to allure her. That word allure means that I'm going to speak to her heart. Now, in other words, you know how it was when you just started the relationship and you're trying to woo that person? Where you're trying to win that person, you're, 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 you're trying to uh, uh, flirt and throw out the cool vibes in order to win that person. God says, I'm going to communicate in a way that is going to win her back. I, I want to submit to us today that this is how you and I must communicate. In other words, uh, it's not communicating in a way to win the argument It's not communicating in a way to say that I'm right and you're wrong. It's not communicating like that. It's communicating so that the person's embarrassment and the person um, uh, 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 can can save face in the relationship so that the, the relationship can be restored. Because what's more important is not to be able to say that I'm right and you're wrong, what's more important is to be, ha- to be able to have the relationship restored. This is what God does. He communicates in a way where he woos and wins back the heart of his people. You know, it's not just enough to be able to say that I've said it. Sometimes we say it, and we may say it with a little bit too much neck in it. Come on now. (laughs) We may say it, and we may say it in a way that's insulting. We may say it, and we may say it in a way that puts the other party down. But, but, But the real way to communicate, because... Uh, communication 
can either build or break your relationship. And God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to communicate in a way that builds up instead of tearing down. You see, the, the truth of the matter is that, that, that we've got to follow what Scripture actually says in another place. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, and I want you to look this up when you get an opportunity. Proverbs 15, verse 1, the wise man says it this way. He says, a soft answer, what it does is it actually turns away wrath. In other words, the way that you and I communicate can either make the situation more difficult or it can make the situation more harmonious. The, the, the way that we communicate can either tear down or it can build up. We have the choice when we communicate to either build up or to tear down. And I want you to notice this here. Ooh, this is it. This is it. Ooh, I want you to get this thing right here. The onus on the person who needs to communicate in a way that builds up instead of tearing down is the person who's in the right, not the person that's in the wrong. Ooh, that's a word right there. I, I, I want you to check this out. Theologically, look at the text. The text is God is saying that I'm going to allure her. God's saying I'm going to speak tenderly to her. Uh, theologically, I, I want you to understand something that theologically God is not in the wrong. Theologically, God is always in the right. God has never made a mistake, yet God is the one who's saying I'm going to speak tenderly. I'm going to speak in a way that's kind. In other words, when we're the one that's in the right, when we're the one who can hold it over our spouse's head, that's the time when we've got to speak tenderly. In other words, there comes a point where we can't hold it over our spouse. There comes a point where we can't beat them down because of what they've done. We've got to speak tenderly because when we speak tenderly to the one who's done wrong, when we speak tenderly, when we know that it's right, it will go a long way. A soft answer will turn away wrath. But the next thing that we see in the passage, and this is in verse 15, where, where, where we see in the passage that, that, that God is, is telling us that in order for the relationship to be restored, there must be a sacrifice. And, and, and in the New King James Version, it, it uses the actual words. We read from the New Living Translation, which, which doesn't go into the original language, uh, uh, but, but the New King James Version, it, it says that what will happen is that the Valley of Achor will become a place of hope. Now, the truth of the matter is that, 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 that most of us aren't familiar with this Valley of Achor. We, we actually know the story surrounding the Valley of Achor, but most of us, if we were given a biblical quiz right now, we wouldn't be able to say what the Valley of Achor is. But let me just break down to you what the Valley of Achor is. You remember that when the children of Israel came into the Promised Land, that they uh, uh, attacked the city of Jericho and they destroyed the city of Jericho. And they were told when they were going into the city of Jericho not to take anything. 
They were told to destroy everything in Jericho. But my main man, Achan, when he went up into the city of Jericho, man, he saw some fly LeBrons that were up on the wall, man. He saw, he, he saw some, 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 some cool gear that looked pretty good. Uh, and, 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 and he saw um, so, some gold chains that he knew would look really good on him. He, he, he saw some earrings that he knew would look really fly in his ear. And so what he did is he took all of this, these goods, he took all of these jewels and, and, and because he wanted them, and he placed them underneath his tent. Then a couple of days later, the children of Israel went to go fight again, and they went to this tiny city, this city called Ai. And when they went and fought Ai, they got whooped. And they came back crying and wondering what in the world happened and what, what, why was it that they lost to Ai. And they did an investigation. And when they did that investigation, they discovered that Achan had stolen some Babylonianish garments and he had stolen some gold and silver from, from the city of Jericho. And what ended up happening is that they took Achan to the valley of Achor and they stoned him and his family. Now, I, I, I had a question when I read this. How in the world can the, 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 the valley of Achor, this place that has such a horrible story associated with it, how can this place become the valley of hope? How can this, this, this place with such a catastrophe become the place of hope? It's very simple because this is the place of atonement. This is the place of sacrifice. This is the place where atonement was ultimately made for the children of Israel's sin. And you'll notice when you read the story of Joshua that after the atonement was made, their children of Israel go from there to be able to capture the entire promised land. It was this atonement that propelled them to higher levels to be able to capture the entire land of Canaan and for each tribe to be able to have land that was designated to them. And God is simply trying to tell us today, in order for our marriages to be blessed, there must be sacrifice. And we know this. We know that there must be sacrifice. Because the truth is, we know that when our spouse is mad, we go out and get some roses. I want to let you know that's a sacrifice, all right? When, when, when we know that, that, that she's a little upset uh, or, 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 or when he's a little upset, we might go out and, and just get a little peace offering. That's a sacrifice. We understand that it, for a relationship to be restored, there must be sacrifice. And I don't know what needs to be sacrificed in your relationship today, but I tell you today that there must be sacrifice in order for your relationship to be restored. Maybe the sacrifice needs to be your pride. Maybe the sacrifice needs to be your, uh, your, your, your doggedness where you're not willing to listen to your spouse. Maybe your, your sacrifice needs to be the way you talk to your spouse needs to change. I don't know what it is, but for your relationship to be restored, there must be a sacrifice. So today, you must search your heart and you must ask what needs 
to be sacrificed. I want you to know today that God recognized that there needed to be a sacrifice. That sacrifice took him to a cross. That sacrifice put him there where he was hanging up on a tree and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was the valley of uh, what the valley of Achor pointed to. It pointed to a tree and to a hill called Calvary where Jesus would die and shed his blood for you and for me so that we can get back into a covenant relationship with him. Glory be to God that he made the sacrifice for you and for me so that we once again could be his spiritual bride. But then the final thing that we see in the text is that God, he tells his people that I want you to remember the good old days. (laughs) He talks about how they were in Egypt And how he brought them out of the land of Egypt where he saw his people and he redeemed them at that point as his very bride, as his people. And he brought them out of the children of, uh, out of Egypt and he brought them into the wilderness. And that is where they made a covenant relationship with him. That is where that they, they, they spiritually were tied together as a husband is tied to a wife. That is where it happened in the wilderness. And God says, I want you to remember the good old days. Remember when I brought you out of slavery. Remember how it was when I drowned Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. I want you to remember how I dropped all of those plagues on Egypt and I redeemed you with a mighty hand. Remember how it was in the wilderness. I want you to know that couples, you need to remember the good old days. You need to remember when you first met. You need to remember the smile that was on your face when you thought of the one that you loved. You need to remember those good old days. Remember that first date that you went on? Do, do, do you remember how, 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 how meticulous you were about choosing what you were. Uh, uh, you, you wanted to choose the right dress and, and you wanted to be in the, the right gear. You, you made sure that your shoes were shiny. You, you, you made sure that, 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 that you uh, uh, took a little extra brush to those teeth and, and that you, you combed out your hair or, or, or shined it down really good. Come on now, glory be to God. I, I, I want you to, you to know that that's what happened. You need to remember those times. Remember how you felt. Remember where you ate. Remember where you went in the beginning of your relationship. Remember the first time that you held hands. Remember when you said, I do. Remember how you felt when you walked down, when she walked down those aisles or when you as that lady walked down those aisle, that aisle and you were given away. You need to remember those good old days. God says, I want you to remember when you were in the wilderness. Remember that love that you had in the wilderness. You see, in the wilderness, God was with his bride. And you can play some music for me. In the wilderness, God was with his bride. And as he was with his bride in the wilderness, 
I want you to know what was happening. In the wilderness, you really don't have a lot. In, in the wilderness, actually, you don't have a lot of resources. In the wilderness, you, 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 you ain't got nothing but, but snakes and scorpions and thistles. That's all you got in the wilderness. But, but it was as if God and the children of Israel were saying, you know, ain't nothing much out here. But guess what? We got each other. There wasn't much to eat. There wasn't nothing but manna in the wilderness. But they were saying, even though that there's only manna that's out here, guess what? At least we've got each other. Today, I want you to know, you and I need to remember those good old days to have the spark of love come back within our relationship. We need to remember those good old days. So in summary, simply put, today, my brothers and sisters, we need to be honest in our communication if there is going to be a revival of love. What needs to happen after we say I do is we need to be honest in our communication. But we don't need to just be honest in our communication. Not, not only do we need to be honest, but we need to speak tenderly. And we need to speak to the heart, to win the heart. It's not just enough to, to say what's going on. We need to say uh, it in a way that will be able to win the heart of our spouse. Not only that, but then we need to be willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary. And you know what that sacrifice is that you need to make today in order for your relationship to thrive. And, 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 and if you remember those good old days, if you remember the time when you fell in love, if you remember the time when you first met, God says that just like his relationship was restored, I believe that your relationship can be restored. It's not the end. It can be restored. Just follow these principles today. Today, I pray that you do this in your marriage. I pray that you take some time this afternoon to talk to your spouse and you remember those good times. I pray that you'll have some honest communication to restore the relationship with each other. But on another level, I pray that you'll also do this with God. Because the truth is that we need to make sure that our relationship is also right with God. There are some of us who need to be honest with God and tell God how we feel. There are some of us who who, who need to uh, um, remember those times that we've had over the years with God. We need that relationship to be restored. And we need to have an open and honest time with God. There are some of us who are going through some things because we have forsaken God. We've kicked God to the curb. But now is the acceptable time. Now is the season where we need to renew the relationship that we have with God. And if you know that this is the time, if you know that this is the season where you need to have your relationship restored with God, simply put, what I want you to do is uh, to simply message me on 
on, on, on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, message me on Messenger. If you're on YouTube, go to our, our church Facebook page and, and, and send me an email to say, hey, look, I recognize that I need to get my relationship back with God. Uh, there is somebody who knows that you're going through some things because you know that your relationship is not right with God. And God has had to take some things away with away from you. And God is simply saying, I've taken those things away so that you recognize your desperate need for me. So my prayer today is that you would take this opportunity to make things right with God and that you would renew your relationship with him today. Now is the acceptable time. Now is that day of salvation. I pray that you would take this opportunity to make your life right with God. Let's go to God. Heavenly Father, today we come before you. And Father, I pray, first of all, on behalf of every marriage that's represented in our church, for those who are watching online, Father, I pray that you would renew that uh, these marriages, that they would have the spark of love rekindled in their relationships, Father. I pray, Father, that, that they'd be able to go through that emotional experience that you went through where, where you were like you were uh, ready to forsake and give up the relationship with your people to be able to renew the covenant with your, with, with your people. I pray that marriages that are on the edge would be brought back from the edge. That, Father, that you would heal. That, Father, that you would restore. That, Father, that you would hold, uh, uh, show up in a mighty way to reestablish love in the relationships in our church and across this country. And then, Father, I pray that, that those who need to reestablish and reconnect with you, I pray, Father, that everyone would reconnect with you in a mighty and special way today. I pray, Father, that they would not let today go by, not let the next moment go by without making sure that they are right with you. Father, we're having a baptism next week. Maybe there is someone today who's saying that, that they need to be baptized. They need to have their relationship right with you. Father, today, I pray that you would move on that person's heart, trouble them until they surrender their all to you. This is our earnest prayer, and this is our desire. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray, loving you always. Amen. Amen. Amen for the word.